You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This is Kansas State's Cooper Beebe, and you're listening to the PowerCat Postgame Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're subscribing to this show on your favorite podcast provider. Welcome to a special edition of the PowerCat Postgame Podcast. Tim Fitzgerald, Cole Carmody in the first half, our own Michael Goins to join me in the second half as we split up the duties here from a hotel room somewhere in the Metroplex of Dallas, Fort Worth, Irving. Arlington and everything in between. Kansas State wins a Big 12 championship. Saturday morning and afternoon. It's now night at the AT&T Stadium, at AT&T Stadium, Jerry Dome. 31-28, winning in overtime over TCU. The third-ranked Frogs suffered their first defeat of the season as Kansas State hands that to TCU. And a remarkable football game. Two incredible teams going head-to-head and having to go to extra time to get it done. TCU goes for it on fourth down, excuse me, on third down and fourth down. From the goal line, K-State's defense stuffs the Frogs. Stops them cold. They get the ball. They're turning overtime. Kick a field goal. 31-yarder by Ty Zittner. Kansas State is the Big 12 champions for 2022 and what a journey it's been. It's been an incredible, incredible journey for Kansas State. Losing to Tulane. Thought that was a miserable loss. Tulane's going to be at a New Year's Six Bowl. Lose to TCU with so many injuries in Week 7. Come back from that and lose to Texas after a miserable first half. Those are their three losses. Three really good teams. They gather themselves down the stretch. Win enough. Get a little help to get Texas out of there. K-State makes it to Arlington and cashes it in. Chris Kleiman has brought a Big 12 title back um, to Manhattan, Kansas with a really good team. We've got a lot to cover here, but we're sponsored by Caddyshack Golf. Make sure you go check it out. Look, it's time to celebrate. It's time to buy some more gear. And even if you're not a golfer or if you have a golfer in your family, go to Caddyshack Golf. It's Caddy with two Ts, CaddyshackGolf.com. Go check out their stuff. They also have a lot of other things besides clothing. they got some cool accessories and tailgate gear that you might want to add to your fandom if you're a Kansas State person. It's hard to encapsulate everything. And we've also had ongoing uh, issues here with our road podcasting. We've got a new one coming for the bowl game. K-State's headed to the Sugar Bowl. More on that later. Brian Hanley and I will reconvene on Sunday evening in all likelihood. And we'll have another postgame podcast for you as we've done all season long. As Kansas State just went 5-1 and one away from Bill Snyder Family Stadium this year, only losing at TCU. Remarkable season for Chris Kleiman. 
and the boys. And so I had to re-tape this open, re-record this open, and now we're going to continue into what I recorded with Cole Carmody. But folks, we appreciate everything you've done in following along at Go Power Cap. Um, K-State fans are the absolute best. And um, it's an honor to cover the program for you. But um, you deserve this as much as the players and the, the coaches and the administrators. It's kind of a family effort at K-State. You're kind of the little engine that can and always does and always finds a way. It's remarkable what the school can accomplish. But, um, yeah, congratulations to everyone involved. And as I said, here comes Cole Carmody here to join me in the first half. Michael Goins in the second half. Make sure you check out Go Power Cat. Make sure you check out our specials. Make sure you check out our YouTube page and these podcasts. Subscribe to our podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube page. Leave us a review on Apple if you like the podcast. Please hit subscribe at our YouTube page. We're trying to get to 7,500 as we continue to grow our daily deliveries and walk and talks and all of our interviews. It's been an incredible, a long day. It's been trying to figure out how to put this into words is is difficult, even though that's my job, and we'll try to do that as best as possible. It was just so much to take in sitting there as Kansas State came back, took the lead, had an opportunity to maybe pull away, squandered that with a muffed punt, let TCU back in. Max Duggan took over, did heroic crap like Colin Klein reincarnated. It was unbelievable what a warrior he was. They get tied up, go to overtime. And for reasons um, that apparently were because Duggan was so beaten up, Sonny Dykes, TCU coach, wanted to just finish it. And he wouldn't kick a field goal from the one-inch line. He tried to get in the end zone. K-State's defense with the stand of the program's history. Um, um, an amazing, amazing defensive stand with a ragtag bunch in some ways getting it done. And K-State, all they have to do after winning the toss, Adrian Martinez went out as captain, won the toss. K-State played defense first, and they just had to get three points. They just had to get three points, and sure enough, they got it done. Ty Zittner drills a 31-yard field goal, and the celebration began. Cole, just give me your overall thoughts on the game and – what transpired tonight at AT&T or today at AT&T? Well, first of all, what an atmosphere. Yeah. I mean, that was incredible. I think the moment that we got to the stadium and college game days going on outside, you can just tell that the energy in the stadium is going to be different. It, it, it was incredible, and I was genuinely shocked that K-State fans showed up the way that they did. Honestly. I expected there to be a lot of K-State fans there, but the fans that were there were loud. They were proud, and it and and the players talked about it after the game. It made a difference. And and granted, TCU showed up. I think the split was probably 50-50. Maybe there might have been a little bit more TCU fans there, but either way, when your campus is 20 minutes away, you know you'd expect a good showing. And the fans showed up, so that's first of all. But you know the game was just incredible. The way that K State resolved and was able to bounce back. The way they threw the first punch, TCU responds. They throw the second punch. And then K-State somehow still has enough left. You mentioned with a ragtag group of defensive guys. You go back and look at that final play in overtime. Damian Alalio, the former walk-on from Manhattan High School who played one snap the entire game, just so happened to eat up a double team and 
basically, you know, along with a host of other Wildcats, made that fourth down stop. I mean, it's the thing of legends, and the amount of young guys that played in that on that defense that nobody was expecting to count on during the season was incredible. From Jacob Parrish to Jake Clifton. You got Drake Cheatham, who starts and is playing with a club on. I mean, this was a thing of legends, Fitz. I mean, it, it really was. It showed the culture that Chris Kleiman has built, and it felt like the last four years led up to this moment, and it was just it was incredible. Keenan Gerber yep. was a receiver three weeks ago. Went to the coaches, said, I want to play defense. I want to help this team in any way I can because he was too far down the depth chart, wasn't seeing the field. Comes in at corner, changes his number to 35 before the game. And I, I'm wondering if TCU didn't know what was going on because yeah. he wouldn't have been on film anywhere. He played 16 snaps, someone said, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and held his own. Th- on third downs, mostly. Mostly on third downs. I mean, he was tasked with guarding the best receiving core in the Big 12. Now, granted, they're led by Quentin Johnston, who had a great game, and, and Julius Brintz was uh, tasked with shadowing him the entire night, and he had a great game. I mean, there's no way around it, but when it mattered, Julius Brintz made the play, and, and, and you talk about Keenan Garber, and I, I mentioned Jacob Parrish, and I think that's the best game that Jacob has played in his young career as a Wildcat, but um, yeah, Keenan Garber stepping up. That, that whole entire defensive back room was... It's incredible what they did, and, and Joe Klanderman deserves all the credit in the world because not only is he the defensive coordinator, but he's really in charge of that secondary. And and between him you know, and Van Malone, those guys got these guys ready to play. Jacob Parrish didn't even practice this week. We found out before the game that he hardly practiced at all, and that's the reason why Keenan Garber was having to be thrown in there. I look at a guy like Omar Daniels, another one guy who who played some snaps today when, when Julius Brents comes out. I mean, that's a big sequence. Julius Brents has to come out because his helmet comes off, and Omar Daniels is in there on a fourth down play. He's in there for three or four plays in a row, guarding some of the best receivers in the country. Those guys held their own, and yeah, I mean, the defense to me was almost as the most impressive part about today because it easily could have gone south for K-State. It really could have. It really, really could have. Once Max Duggan started to take that game over, that drive when he just ran wild, it looked, it, folks, it looked like a K State quarterback. It looked like Colin Klein, mm-hmm. just you know, flushing out of the pocket. The defense was gassed. I thought they were in big trouble, and yet they found energy to get it done in overtime. So many heroes in this game. It, you go back to the battles Julius Burns had with receivers, um, Malik Knowles and Echo Boydo both get injured and have to leave the game. Why is it so many injuries pile up against TCU? <clears throat> you know, I, I'm just kind of amazed that K-State didn't have more. I mean, literally, if you visit their message boards, it's a culture that celebrates intentionally injuring other players. Um, ben Sennett took a punch to the helmet. <laughs> little smart kid. Um, should have been ejected for that. I mean, he was squaring up to fight some more, and Ben Sennett said, excuse me, i got to go celebrate a touchdown. It was just an amazing night, and, of course, Ty Zentner. He'll be my daily delivery um, on Sunday at the site, what he did and what he contributed, hitting that game-winning field goal, but how important he's been since that TCU loss at midseason, Game 7, when Kansas State missed a couple field goals in that game, missed some opportunities, and, and got a loss. Kansas State, I have no doubt, is the best three-team loss in college football. According to, to some statistical analysis, they're better than most of the two lost teams. 
losses to Tulane, they're going to be in the Cotton Bowl. Lost to TCU, they should be in the playoff. Mm -hmm. There's no reason TCU shouldn't be in the playoff. Heck, there's no reason TCU shouldn't still be the third seed in that playoff. I don't see how you can jump over them in any way after that loss considering what the other teams have on their resumes. And uh, you you just go through the list. Uh, you, You got Daniel Green, who has been beaten up all season, you know, sat out the second half of that TCU game at week seven with an injury, has come back. He was healthy, had 10 tackles, and that was so important in stopping that running game. What was their what were their running stats? Uh, Kendra Miller 17 for 82, Max Duggan 15 for 119, and so most of them yards came on scrambles. They ended up with 228 yards rushing, um, 251 yards through the air. Uh, again, I, I'm with you, but I look at Austin Moore. Yep. Just as much as Daniel Green, folks. If we were to tell you that Austin Moore would finish the season with better statistical. Um, percentages better statistical grades more tackles you know just flat out honestly be probably a little bit better than daniel green this season and that's not a slight to daniel green because we know how good deuce is but austin moore was elite and i'll just say this the fact that he got snubbed from the all-conference team is ridiculous in my opinion but he played an outstanding game how many times in space where he would make a tackle like that it, he played a great game but you know we we haven't mentioned this yet fitz i think the moment of the game that really flipped everything was when Sonny Dykes decided to kick a 55-yard field goal in the first half. It's stupid. Griff- it, it, Griffin Kell misses it, and the momentum completely switches. This is a coach that doesn't like to kick field goals, and he prefers to go it on fourth down, but <clears throat> they were kind of in that nether region of mm-hmm. it's not an easy conversion. He decided, hey, I'm going to get us up by two scores and make, make this field goal. He misses that field goal. Does that feel like something that happened to K-State in Austin? Yep. Yep. And all of a sudden, K-State gets the ball back around midfield, just on their side of the 50. They go down and score. Game's tied. And then after that, K-State kind of asserted itself, culminating with the Deuce Vaughn just ankle-shattering run. <clears throat> he gets to the edge, perfectly blocked, poor defensive back, just out in space. No shot. And it, No one out there had a shot. Nope. Deuce in space. With, with a running head start, he clowned him. Yeah. He was clowning. That's when he's most special. Deuce was the player of the game, mm-hmm. uh, MVP. We were able to vote um, for a player from each team, so the winner got mm-hmm. the MVP. I voted for Duggan and and, and Deuce, and, but by the end of the game, I almost wish I'd voted for, voted for Ty Zittner. Mm-hmm. His punting was so elite in this game, he kept pinning TCU back and keeping them at a distance from having to work their whole way up the field. What he's become, yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, he's going to play in the league. If he doesn't play in the league, I don't understand because yeah. he's got a live leg that can punt the ball. He can position the ball. He can be your kickoff man. He can be your backup yeah. point PAT and, and mm-hmm. field goal guy. Uh, he would be a really valuable commodity to have. But, man, Ty Zentner was amazing. And just, just go through the list of all the guys that were incredible. DJ Giddens comes in with a big carry. Um, ben Sennett with a nice catch or two. Was, this is the exactly what Chris Kleiman's program is about. It's about a culture, about a family, uh, everything. I talked to Stan Weber after the game. He said it's amazing how similar these guys are, Bill Snyder and Chris Kleiman, and how they want to conduct the core of their program with a locker room and the family and the commitment to each other and the work ethic and all those things. 
And as Stan said, quote, they arrived at him both separately in their own way. Mm-hmm. Chris didn't copy Bill Steiner. Yep. He may have adapted the special teams um, love that you have to have at Kansas State that makes a big difference. But everything he brought with him is really what he did at North Dakota State. Mm-hmm. And, and he's established that now. <clears throat> and the way he's gone about it, honestly, by playing so many players, sometimes you wonder why is Felix coming off and someone else is playing. The guys, everyone seems to get valuable snaps, mm-hmm. and they know they have a role. It's one play or 50 plays. They know they have a role, and they're expected to perform. So when freshmen come off the bench, they're playing true freshmen against a top three team, <clears throat> a really, really good TCU team, and they're holding up. I mean, that's just the culture they've constructed at Kansas State, uh, and it's absolutely amazing the job he's done. Um, he is Thank you, Gene Taylor. I mean, yeah. K-State Nation, uh, you took some abuse for hiring your friend, but you knew what he was. You knew exactly the kind of coach and guy he was, and he's been perfect. Another one of those guys we haven't even talked about is R.J. Garcia. I mean, what a catch that was for a touchdown. I mean, that was incredible. It was an incredible throw by Will Howard, who, you know, we're, we're 10, 12 minutes into this podcast, Fitz, and we haven't even mentioned the name Will Howard yet. Who's that? Yeah. It, I mean, again, it just goes to show – this is a total. This was a total complete team effort, and they literally could not have done it without everybody. I mean, everybody. Literally, when you say everybody, everybody. Seth Porter. This is going to be a play that gets overlooked too. Seth Porter on that final drive of the second half, when K State's trying to go down and kick a game-winning field goal with a few sec, with less than a minute left, they have to punt. Ty Zunder punts the ball in the air. Just a floater. Just hangs up in the air forever. Seth Porter runs down the field and catches the punt at the eight-yard line. TCU has three timeouts in 45 seconds. Those extra 12 yards were enough for Sonny Dykes to say, you know what, I'm not even going to try and go down. We're not even going to try. They take a knee, the game goes to overtime. I think that was a major mistake on his part but I mean again you look at the stats on Ty Zentner for for his punts seven punts 319 yards a long of 56 I mean we don't talk about special teams enough I mean honestly it's one of those things that kind of gets forgotten it I mean K-State fans don't forget it and that's plays not going to be on sports center when they when they show the highlights but it should be because the way that this whole entire unit from the kickoffs to the extra points to the field goals, the punts, the punt returns. Seth Porter, again, k- kickoff return. Malik gets hurt. Okay, Seth, you're going to go back there. You're going you're gonna to field kicks. What does he do? He gets it, takes it out to the 30-yard line and sets up another drive. Again, it's like you can't talk enough about the culture of the locker room. These kids, they understand their roles. A guy like Seth Porter is not going to play receiver, but he is going to be a special team star, and he's going to embrace that role. That's what makes K-State so great, is that everybody understands their role. Well, congratulations to TCU on an incredible season. To go 12-0 and through this conference is remarkable because you survived so many games like today, on Saturday, what we saw. They couldn't quite close it out. But if that team's not in the four-team playoff, it's, the system's fixed. Because the only way they can do that is by putting in Ohio State and Alabama. An Ohio State team that just lost got blown out of their home field. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't jump TCU after an overtime loss. And then a two-loss Alabama team that is a pretty good team. And we'll talk about that more 
in the second half of the Powercat postgame podcast, the first of two, because Brian Hanley and I will do this magic again on Sunday, so you have it for Monday. But you folks deserve this edition. And after the break, Michael Goins joins me on the Powercat postgame podcast sponsored by Caddyshack Golf. This is Kansas State's Daniel Green, the leaders in K-State sports coverage. We'll be right back with more of the Powercat postgame podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Kansas State's Felix and Yudike Uzama. Welcome back to the PowerCat Postgame Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to the PowerCat Postgame Podcast, sponsored by Caddyshack Golf, Tim Fitzgerald, at a Homewood Suites. It's a lovely Homewood Suites. We have a fireplace. We have a living room. We have a small kitchen. And Michael Goins and I have two beds, not one, two beds. But today, we're going to team up on the second half of this podcast. Go-Go, you don't do many of our podcasts, but... You are, I consider you our beat writer because you handle stuff so well. You're the main writer for football and in many ways basketball. Brian Gilbert helps out with that quite a bit. He's covering, as we watch here, the K-State basketball game. And they're now showing on ESPN the basketball team celebrating the K-State football victory. What a night for K-State sports. Um, what, what an incredible achievement by Chris Kleiman and this football team. <clears throat> It'll advance them to the Sugar Bowl if you've been watching the daily deliveries, and if you're not, make sure you do check them out at Go Powercat, the Walk and Talks, all of our videos. We put up all the interviews. Um, you can check out our YouTube channel. Go subscribe to it. Just do that. Help us out, please. It really does help us. But um, they're off to the Sugar Bowl. It's always been a dream of mine to see K-State fans on Bourbon Street. It's such a cultural collision. It's going to be amazing. And as of now, in pending the selections tomorrow, it, they will get the best available team from the SEC. That appears it'll be Alabama if TCU stays in the playoff. Um, and so it'll be K-State and Alabama on the morning of New Year's Eve, 11 a.m., December 31st in New Orleans. First, though, let's get to this. You and I are old farts. We're a year, two years apart in school, uh, less than so in age. Um, but uh, fraternity brothers, we've known each other a very long time. You got into sports writing after I got into sports writing. Uh, you reformed your ways and got into other things. Smart move, by the way. Um, <clears throat> and then you um, have come back to work part-time for us, and it's a, it's a blessing. But we were there when it was bad. And we were there in the 80s. My freshman year was the 82 Bull team, and then it went back downhill. I, I always remind people of this. There was a point in time at Oklahoma and Nebraska or Alabama with Bear Bryant or Bud Wilkinson in Norman, or Bob Devaney in, in Nebraska. You, there's coaches like this all over the country. When fans lived through the glory years, the golden years, the best years, and didn't realize they were living through it. You know, and those, those years went on for like 30 years. Folks, in the context of Kansas State football, you are experiencing it. 
And Chris Kleiman has brought it back, has resurrected it now by winning a conference title with an opportunity to win a Sugar Bowl against Alabama, be a top maybe five program at the end of the year. It's hard to believe, Goins. Well, the football we saw in college and immediately after college with Stan Parrish, it's unexplainably bad. You can't communicate how bad it was. There's nothing currently in college football that compares. Not even the bad KU team. It doesn't compare. It was inept. It was horrible. We just thought winning five games was glorious, and now they're on their third Big 12 title. Uh, Just talk. I don't even know what I'm saying. Man. Yeah, a 10-win season when Bill Snyder was hired, kind of the high point would have been a seven-win. Let's get to a bowl two out of every three years, and we're we're walking in tall, tall cotton there. To have uh, contend for eight, nine, ten win seasons is really just amazing what this coach has done to pick up the baton for what Bill Snyder did for years and years and years. And to watch K-State just play clean football, there was a point in time when they didn't have a penalty through today's game. And TCU had two. It was a really clean played game, just two high-quality football teams. And it was a fun football game to watch. Talking to some of the TCU beat writers after the game, like, man, that's a fun football game. Of course, they're thinking maybe they got an invitation coming to make the playoff. Absolutely, they should be there. But that's just uh, high-level football that we saw today. Fantastic. It's uh, tough to sum up how you you wrap your hands around that 31-28 overtime win. Will Howard's been a revelation. I, I, you know, when you cover sports, you, particularly at this level, well, let's put it this way. Someone was at the team hotel, one of our subscribers who I really like and respect. He's been with us a long time. I, I, I've known him. He's been, had different screen names. Anyhow, he's like, this team isn't as big as what I thought it was when he was watching them come into the team hotel on Friday. And I said, you know, we cover the games. You see them on the field. You see a guy like Ben Sennett or Brandon Brendan Mott, and they're big. They're big kids. But then you go interview them, and they still got baby faces. <clears throat> they're kids, man. They're, they're, you know, in some cases, not even of drinking age. It's just, you know, for me, that's significant. And um, you got to keep understanding that these are, you know, young men, and they're still finding their way. But the way Bill Snyder formed men, Chris Kleiman's doing it too. Maybe a little bit more subtle manner, but he gets it done. And um, you learn to really respect some of these kids. And what Will Howard's been through and what he's become as, as a young man and as a quarterback is absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, it really is. We've seen Will Howard kind of mature right before our eyes. One of his uh, first times in front of the media, we stood there and watched him rock back and forth on right leg to left leg and just a nervous kind of tick, if you will, and was uncomfortable, didn't know what to say, didn't really know how to phrase it. You know, an intelligent kid, but just you're thrown into that spotlight and, and it's uncomfortable. And he's grown in that role. He's obviously made un- incredible strides at quarterback and is just seeing the game. Last week he said he's seeing the field 
things are just unfolding right before his eyes and he knows what to look for. He knows what to anticipate. He knows where he's going with the ball when the opposition does this or that. He's just uh, he's a well-coached individual like the, all of these K-State guys are. They, you, you get a K-State press conference and the coaches just hammer technique. And so you know they're going over that time and time again in practice situations. Get your leverage, get these situations. And this is just drilled into these guys' heads. And they're just well-schooled football players. They know what to do in certain situations, how to go out and attack an opponent. And you saw Julius Prince just play like an All-America cornerback today. He, he did everything possible. There was a couple, I, I think his first two pass interference calls of the season in the game, they were both good calls. I mean, one of them I question, but he grabbed Quentin Johnson's underneath hand. Quentin made contact. The TCU receivers are really good at pushing off. You know, called for it once in a key moment. TCU fans thought it was a fence to the laws of nature that they had a penalty on that. Uh, but on that one penalty, Julius Brent's grabbed Quentin Johnson's hand and pinned it against his belly. And how the official saw it, I don't know. Maybe he didn't and made a bad call because other than that, there really was interference. The two guys were fighting. It was just an incredibly subtle move on Brent's behalf. And the, the Johnston, Johnston push-off on the first possession was very subtle. And that's why he got away with it. He mm-hmm. didn't extend his arm. He just kind of... Poked. Uh, he poked and... Just got separation yep. was all he did. That battle throughout the game was something I kept my eye on because it was it was enthralling. Uh, Johnson got his yardage. He, he went for like 180. He's a great uh, great receiver. Game. He had two long balls, and he earned every bit of it. But Brents gave him every bit that he could give him, and that uh, interception in the end zone was a Huge. remarkable play. Huge play. Um, yeah, that that field was filled with NFL guys, and you know I, I'm telling you what, if I'm an NFL franchise, I want Max Duggan as my as my guy. Um, maybe doesn't have the huge arm, but it's just a absolute warrior. Um, I think Will Howard's going to play in the league. Julius Brent will play in the league. Felix Sandy DK will play in the league. Dar- oh, Darren Sproles, there it went. Deuce Vaughn will certainly find a role in the league. Uh, Cooper Beebe will play in the league. I, Folks, you know, when you go back and look at those great K-State teams, they littered the NFL. Those were players that were recognized as good players, brought in, performed, went on to huge careers, and this team's full of it too. Chris Kleiman's doing that with this roster. Um, what a what an incredible performance. I saw a tweet from a Texas player talking trash on Felix because Felix got double-teamed and held the entire night, still had five tackles, was disruptive, had a sack, and Texas guys are sitting on the sideline talking trash. And a quarterback hurry. So he wasn't parked on the sideline or doing nothing, uh, not doing anything, I should say. Um, Cole mentioned it earlier. TCU has the best wide receiver core in the conference. Johnston is probably one of the top three receivers. Uh, Marvin Mims is right there. Xavier Hutchinson is right there. But this guy is a pro. He's got pro size. He knows how to get open. He knows how to go get the ball. He attacks the ball. And uh, Duggan targeted him eight times today, and he made four catches. He put up some numbers, but uh, 
I'd say Julius Brents got after him just as well as anybody has all season. Yep, it was uh, really something to watch. Um, I, I will forever remember the Deuce Vaughn run. It, it, it's the Darren Sproles screen pass from the 2003 game. It's all over again. When it was so perfectly designed and you got the little guy in space and he made it happen, he absolutely clowned some guys on that play. Perfectly executed play. Um, it just just was a nice summary of the season. Oh, yeah, Deuce gets out on the edge and uh, you're almost like turn on the highlight reel, something unreal is going to happen. And sure enough, he gets in space, and poor guy on the edge. I think Deuce said one-on-one uh, -on -one with the safety, he liked his chances, and just gave him a hip shake to the outside, and boom, he was gone. It was a thing to watch. It was a, a really thing of joy, a thing of uh, beauty, and so well blocked to get him on the edge like that. And just uh, after the game, Deuce, in typical Deuce fashion, gave all the credit to the guys up front. Yeah, and they deserve a lot of credit. Uh, we had Hayden Gillum come in, another kid I just love. I call him Rip because he kind of dresses in the Yellowstone look. Um, <laughs> he's uh, he's always uh, running off the field at Baylor. He yelled at, hey, Fitzy, how'd you like that? And it was just, these are such great kids. You should be proud that they represent your school, whether it's your alumni, a student, or, or just a fan. Um, you've got a really good bunch. But I'm kind of... Uh, uh, when when my dog that hates everyone picks Daniel Green as her human outside of the family, which she did when he came over to tape for this podcast, um, the open and closes or whatever he does in this, uh, I've got a real affinity for Deuce. Dogs know the good people, and, and she really loved Deuce Green. And uh, I'm really happy for Chris Kleiman. I'm happy for Gene Taylor. Happy for all those coaches who put in so many hours and do an incredible job. I'm overjoyed for the kids, but mostly, Michael, I'm really happy for the fans. It's been a journey. The Ron Prince era sucked. You know, Coach came back and, and, and righted the ship and won a championship in 2012. Uh, but it was a year without a championship game, so it didn't quite feel as tangible as 03. Um, <clears throat> and then you hire Chris Kleiman. The pandemic is a just a, a mess for Kansas State. They ran out of players. They had locker room issues. And Chris Kleiman took, came out of that storm and figured out how to reinvent things. And it took him two years to get to the very top of the conference, but Kansas State's Big 12 champs. The fact that they got that going really last year, following 2020, is remarkable. They, um, 2021 was a, a fantastic season, culminated with the uh, Texas Bowl win. And in many ways, that kicked off this season. Yeah, you lose Skylar Thompson to the draft, um, but they really had enough guys coming back, fought through an injury-plagued spring season, which carried over kind of the midpoint of the season on they fought injuries. So that depth has really been tested. But to get back to your point, Fitz, K-State Nation has uh, has gone through a lot. You know, it's 10-win it's seasons haven't been right around the corner like – we're enjoying this one. It's um, it's really a remarkable season. K-State came into this game ranked 10th in the playoff system and is headed to the Sugar Bowl. What a fantastic, incredible year. And Chris Kleiman deserves all the accolades that he should receive. Yep, he does. He absolutely does. 
Congratulations to everyone associated with Kansas State Sports on an amazing football season. There's still one more game. Michael, we're going to New Orleans to cover the Sugar Bowl. Now, look, I, you and I are old farts. We remember the Orange Bowl being the Big 8 Bowl. We remember, you know, of course, the Rose Bowl being the granddaddy, which, you know, okay, it's kind of aged a little bit because the facility's aged. Um, and the Cotton Bowl was, you know, the big thing down here in Texas, and it's not what it used to be. The Sugar Bowl is still the Sugar Bowl to me. It's still the thing. And maybe it's, maybe it's because of the SEC, honestly, but it's still the Sugar Bowl. The best available teams in the Big 12 and the SEC meet, and this year it'll be Kansas State. That's very true. I think there's still a lot of pageantry that surrounds the Sugar Bowl, and I think the SEC does treat it that having that conference surround it lends it a lot of credibility. Um, I'm not sure what that stadium is called now, Mercedes Benz. Yeah, it's a super former dome. former Superdome. Uh, it's a, and it's an amazing stadium. We just walked out of a, a crazy nice stadium, but. Uh, K-State will go from the Energy Stadium in Houston last year for a bowl game to AT&T Stadium slash Jerry World and now playing in the Superdome here in another 29 days. So it's uh, it's something to look forward to. It's going to be a fun ride here for the next month to hear some more stories and catch people up on what's fun about K-State football. Exactly. Make sure you're following along at GoPowerCat.com. Go check out our specials. Click that green join button. Uh, become part of the family. We've grown like crazy. And I, I so appreciate so many K-Staters coming back to our coverage. And um, we've kind of reinvented ourselves the way we do things and a lot of more podcasts and videos and stuff. And Michael does an incredible job writing. Are you writing a column? Did you start a column? Yep, working okay. on a column. For He's working on a column. He'll have his his other things from uh, his pick six that always comes out on Sunday in a column. We'll have so much coverage. Uh, and K-State basketball. The fun has begun. K-State basketball is much more enjoyable this season than it's been in a while. And we'll see if Jerome Tang and his group can hang on as we watch this game nearing halftime with Wichita State. And you know what's going to happen at halftime of this game. The team is already back in Manhattan. The team got back in Manhattan about the time Michael and I got back from the liquor store, which was about 10 minutes after we returned to the hotel from working at AT AT&T Stadium. The team's back. And they're going to have a pep rally for the crowd at Bramlage Coliseum. It's fun to be a Wildcat. Hang in there with us, folks. It's going to be a wild ride. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. PowerCat.com.